0: I don't know if there's a better baseball town in, in, uh, in all of the uh, country than St. Louis and uh, the fans and uh, everything that, uh, that happens there uh, uh, is, is, uh, is big league. Uh, I mean, the Arch, I've taken a ride in the Arch a couple of times. Uh, one of these times I want to go inside and ride it. I, uh, I do it from outside where it's a little tougher and a little scarier, but it's, it's hot. That, that metal gets hot. You can't put your hands on it. you got to wear gloves when you climb that thing. And, uh, but it's a kick. It's a lot of fun. It takes takes a day and a half to do it, but it's a lot of fun.
1: Uh, I'm assuming you have mixed emotions about the passing of this ballpark. And we heard stories. We Actually, we were taking a tour yesterday. They told us they've seen skunks underneath the place.
0: Well, those were put here. Those, we're, we're, we work here with the zoo and... Uh, yeah, we have all kinds of animals. As a Matter of fact, uh, the Discovery Channel comes in here and films once a month to uh, find out what's underneath here, and uh, we've seen a lot of stuff under here that's uh, still unidentified. But uh, I'm, I'm not sorry to get out of here. I mean, this, this has been a great old ballpark, but uh, I can't wait to get to Miller Park. This place has uh, is, has seen its best days. I can guarantee you that. If you ask for anything special in the broadcast booth, they can customize you know the place for you. Well, we have a uh, we have a very nice booth over there, and. Uh, um, it's uh, unfortunately uh, not facing the the field. Uh, it actually faces this ballpark, and uh, which is going to make calling a game kind of tough. I. Uh But having been, uh, you know, into these adverse situations before, I think I can... I'll come through with something. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, when I work with my partner Karen here, I see her every day, but when we travel together, that's when I think you really find out the truth about somebody. Now, you worked with our pal Bob Costas on the road for many years. Tell me something about Bob that the average person, even people like us, wouldn't know from not having traveled with him. Well, the
0: one thing about Costas is that once he gets... I can't tell you that. <laughs> uh, oh, the other thing is, when we're on the road and we're in our room, uh, maybe I better not tell you that either. No, nah, no, nah, that. Uh, oh, one time we were in a car. We we're in the back seat of a car. We we're going from ball No, nah, yeah, I better not. Yeah, nah. No, no, nah, no, no, that's. No, no. that's uh, yeah. no, I don't. I don't think I've, I don't. Anything I know about him. Everything I know about him, I I, I can't tell you. Sorry. <laughs> now I know you had your own clothing line in the mid '80s. Are you wearing anything from that line tonight? Uh, no, I'm not. uh, what I am wearing from that line, I can't show you. Uh, it's kind of in shreds now, but, uh, you know, when you, you have something like that, you get a clothing line, you hate to give it up, and you don't, you know, the stuff, you try to keep it as long as you possibly can. So uh, most of the undergarments have been hand-washed, and uh, uh, you get them out in the wind to dry a little bit. They get a
1: little shredded sometimes, but uh, they're, the elastic's a little good in them. You know, you're in great shape, Bob. I, I was. I hope you don't take this the wrong way. We were watching you from behind. I hope my ass is as small and as tight as yours is when I'm your age. Uh,
0: I have a valve back here that I can let out
1: or blow up, and uh, you're welcome to
0: blow it up if you want anytime. Uh, just, you know, jump on, man. <laughs> Bob Euchre,
1: it's great to see you. Congratulations on 44 years in baseball, 30 in the booth. Great to talk to you. Thank you, guys. I'll see you later on. Thanks.
2: No, I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous, don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest, Is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful,
3: good look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before? It's like a vu all over again.
1: It is Monday, September 18th, 2023, and you. All right, JC on the line.com. In the eyes of the baseball world around St. Louis tonight is Adam Wainwright. Goes after career win number 200 at Bush Stadium against the Brewers. By the way, if Ollie Marmel doesn't at least go 7 and 7 in the remaining games, then he will have lost 91 or 91 plus, And that's more than any cards manager in 107 years. More losses than any Cardinal manager in hundred. And seven years. And by the way, I played the Bob Euchre thing because we went to Milwaukee in 1998 on this date because we were trying to calculate when it was most likely that Mark McGuire was going to hit 60, 61, 62 right in there. And at one point, you know, you got to plan these things at least a couple of weeks, maybe even a month in advance, and we just sort of calculated based on the home runs that he was hitting, and then you project and you add it up and you do the math, and we thought that it was possible that it might happen in Milwaukee. And we just figured, look, we haven't been out of the studio on the road doing the show for a while, why don't we do that? And that was in the days when you could go to the general manager at the radio station and say, hey, look, we'd like to do the show for Milwaukee, here's why, and most of the time, if you could make a good case for it, they would say yes. Yes. Now, if it's going to cost him even a dime, the answer is absolutely not. But in 98, we figured, okay, well, let's go. But it's just remarkable to imagine that that was 25 years years ago 25 years ago and unfortunately that trip ended on a thud uh, because of reasons that i will share with you tomorrow had nothing to do with milwaukee or the broadcast it was about something we found out about while we were on that trip but anyhow back to adam wainwright i thought that this would be fun to go back and play the highlights from adam wainwright's first ever start as a st louis cardinal
3: wainwright will face Biggio, Lamb, and Berkman. Now on two and two, the pitch. He went too far on a curve outside and in the dirt. Strike three called by Wolf. Molina tags out Burke, And the Cardinals throw the ball around the infield. The pitch, a curve ball, see you around.
2: He's out on strikes. And then the delivery misses. No, he called him out. Inside corner late call by home plate umpire Jim Wolf but Adam Wainwright gets the benefit of the doubt and that's strike three that's the second time Chris Burke has been called out here's the wind and the
3: one-two a curveball struck him out looking Scott is out and the strikeout is Wainwright's fourth we're going to the seventh at Minute Maid Park Wainwright brings it home the squeeze is on the butt right back to Wainwright to the plate and he's out the throw to first out out Oh, my goodness, Wainwright and Molina. Unbelievable. Ausmus is doubled up at first. Oh, baby, what a play.
2: Doing squeezing anyway with nobody out. I don't know. Molina with the quick tag as Wainwright comes in on the squeeze bunt. A late jump by Chris Burke at third base. And Molina has the presence of mind, John, to come up throwing to first base. Unbelievable play.
3: Tying run at the plate. Wainwright's pitch. Uh, Ground ball back to Wainwright. He spears it. And throws out Loretta. Wainwright's momentum was carrying him toward first. He had to double back and catch the ball, going toward third. And he throws out Loretta. And
1: that's how the whole thing started. I remember you, man, and I were at Cardinal Spring Training the year before Adam Wainwright was called up for the entire season. Okay, So they brought him up late in the season back in what was it 2002 but we were down in Jupiter Florida that spring and they brought Adam Wainwright in to sort of give him a taste of the major leagues and to get to know the players and have the players get to know him a little bit and the buzz was very very loud we we could hear it almost immediately and they seemed to know what they were doing because by the time Adam Wainwright came up he had already been familiar with things a little bit and they knew him and he knew them and so seems like it was a pretty good strategy you could tell that Rooney and Ricky you were pretty darned impressed as was everybody else so hopefully when we reconvene tomorrow morning we're going to be talking about this great milestone win it really is sort of silly when you stop to think about it is he any better or worse of a pitcher if he does or does not hit 200 he's got 199 let's say he never hits 200 is he any less of a pitcher should he be considered less by the voting members of the Baseball Hall of Fame because he didn't hit 200, because he's one away. It really is sort of silly when you start to think about it. You know, we we just crawled out of the slime and out of the swamp as cavemen and, you know, just trying to figure out some way to uh, assign units of measure. And so, you know, we created time and we created weights of things. Numbers of things 100, 200, 300, whatever, but it's just something we created. I mean, when you stop to think about it, it really is sort of silly, but it's the world we live in. Those are the rules. And let's hope that we're having good things to say tomorrow morning here on the podcast. It could be a very, very long time before people stop talking about the Mizzou game on Saturday a 61 yard field goal to win it. There is a chance Aaron Rodgers could return this season, especially if the Jets make the playoffs, which If you watched the Jets game yesterday, it doesn't appear as there's much of a case for that, but you never know. Apparently, they use some sort of new procedure on Aaron Rodgers on his Achilles that they say is actually very successful and players come back much faster than you would imagine. If you saw that picture floating around on social media of Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs getting off the team, playing with Taylor Swift... Sorry to break your heart, it is photoshopped. And we were just doing a story about this last week about how, oh, you know, the under-30 crowd just does not give any importance to the issue of grammar and to the issue of things like punctuation. Which infuriates me because I've been, you know, hitting on this drum for decades. Every civilization, to some extent, is judged by its literacy. And by the way, when you go to college and in my case, I worked at a newspaper for two summers where it was my job to correct mistakes. The reporters would file their stories and then they would come to me and I sat at a table with five or six other people. We were all doing the same thing. And you would sit there and you'd correct mistakes. And that could be anything from punctuation to grammar to clarity. You know, when you're really close to a story, sometimes you're like, well, I understand it. And you make the mistake of assuming that everybody else understands it too. But when a third party comes along and goes, uh, this isn't clear here. Is this guy the brother or is the other guy the brother? I don't I don't understand. So you would fix the story. You would correct grammar, punctuation, clarity, and then you would write the headline. And then you would submit it. And then you'd get another story plopped on your desk and you would work on that one too. And I did that for two summers and I really, really enjoyed it. There is something to be said for writing clearly and you know putting something together that is good solid journalism and people again i hate to pick on the younger generation but they're really the ones responsible for it it's not us and they're trying to make a case for laziness and sloppiness. And I don't care what your age is, you wouldn't accept laziness or sloppiness in any other job. What if you bought a new car and the knob on the radio didn't work and when you turned the steering wheel, it didn't really turn the way it was supposed to? Or the hatch on the back of the car if it was SUV, the hatch you know, didn't close flush with the frame of the car. You wouldn't accept that. So don't try to tell me that I'm supposed to accept the idea that literacy doesn't matter. That attention to detail in storytelling or reporting, journalism, writing a novel, don't try to tell me that's not important. It is. And all you have to do is open up a history book and you'll see that. But I'm talking about a history book that goes all the way back to like the beginnings of man. That's why the Renaissance, for example, is so storied because of all the stuff they were doing. And you know, in Beethoven's years, musically, the Industrial Revolution, where people figured out we had to move from an agrarian lifestyle to an industrial lifestyle and all of the thinking that went into that and again as i said it's not a case that i have to make the case has already been made every civilization is judged at least to some extent but usually a very large extent by its literacy and we're generating an entire (laughs) who knows what percentage of the country it is a third a half Of people, primarily young people, who are like, yeah, we don't really care about it. Enter the case of Patrick Mahomes, quarterback for Kansas City Chiefs, who, upon hearing about Aaron Rodgers' injury last week, tweeted, hate that man. And people were like, oh my goodness, what a terrible thing for him to have said. A fellow quarterback in the NFL? And uh, he goes down with a possible career career. Ending, injury going to require surgery after only four plays. And Patrick Mahomes comes along and says, hate that man? Well, after people pointed it out, he went back and installed the comma. Hate that man. Duh. Speaking of the Younger End demos, suicide now the number two cause of death for young adults in this country. You got the idea all along that Jan Wenner, the inspirational founder of Rolling Stone Magazine, you got the idea a long time ago that he's a dick. And now he's proven it. I'm not even going to dignify what he said with a response on this. It's just to say that he has now been removed from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame board of directors after making these racist and sexist comments. He did apologize for what it's worth, but the damage is done. If you have DirecTV... Your Fox 2 is back. What was it, four or five months that people couldn't watch Fox 2 if they had direct TV? And the uh, situation has not been rectified, but apparently the negotiations are going well enough to the point where they're saying, okay, look, we're going to probably reach an agreement here. So go ahead and put the stations back up. And we'll go. This is nationwide, by the way. This wasn't just in St. Louis. Hugh Jackman and his wife of 27 years are splitting up. What the hell goes wrong after 27 years that you haven't figured out how to smooth over? You leave the cap off the toothpaste. One more time, I am out of here. It was a very, very busy weekend in entertainment. Four women have accused Russell Brand of sexual assault between 2006 and 2013. He says everything he did was consensual, and he says he has evidence to refute the claims. Meanwhile, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis have resigned from the board of an anti-human trafficking organization following the fallout from their support of convicted rapist Danny Masterson. People were all scratching their heads going, how's this going to play out, you know? There's just not enough bodies to go into the movie theaters and you have two totally disparate films, Oppenheimer and Barbie. But somehow, even in the cacophony of all of the talk there was about these two movies, Oppenheimer now the highest grossing biopic of all time with nine hundred and twelve point seven million dollars globally at the box office. That surpasses Bohemian Rhapsody, which did nine ten. By the way, Rami Malek in both movies and It is, in fact, a biopic, biography, picture, biopic, but I guarantee you, I guarantee it that you will hear somebody on radio, some imbecile on radio or TV will refer to it as a biopic, and that's not a fucking word. Drew Barrymore got shouted down. They forced her into a corner, and Rosie O'Donnell started taking a stick and sticking it in her eye, and finally Drew Barrymore backed down. She was supposed to resume her show today, and... It ain't happening anymore. You don't want to be a scab. And Drew Barrymore, you know, seemed totally, totally out of character for her. I, you know, I've interviewed her a couple of times. just does not seem like the kind of thing that she would do. Either she's changed or somebody talked her into this. We've heard stories about people who come from foreign countries not speaking any English at all and learning to speak from watching American television. Turns out, maybe the idiot box isn't so idiotic after all. 12-year-old boy in Florida saved his therapist's life because of a CPR scene he saw in Stranger Things Season 1. The therapist was drowning in a pool, so the boy did see PR on him and he regained consciousness. I've talked to you about how skittish I am around horses. They're just so big and they can kill you. And I know enough stories about people who were seriously injured or in one case killed by a horse our old friend Ken Flack, the tennis player who won the uh, gold medal for doubles at the Olympics in 1988, along with his partner Bob Seguso. And Ken was from Kirkwood, used to have him on the show all the time. Sadly, he passed away a couple of years, got some sort of bizarre virus or something that infected, I want to say, his heart or something, and he was got sick and down in like a week, and he passed away. Right after he and his wife Sandy had their first baby, she really missed horseback riding, and that's what she wanted to do more than anything, and they tell you you can't do it right away and then after a month the doctor says all right all right you can go horseback riding sort of like the, what they told me about the pool after i had this hip surgery they're like can't get in the pool for a month like it's summer they're like yeah but you got an open wound there and so you can't get in the pool for a month luckily i was able to get in the pool for the first time over the weekend and i needed it too because it was freaking hot out anyhow sandy is riding a horse the horse gets spooked by something. Ken is sitting there in the car with the baby watching all of this. The horse throws her off and then falls on her. Broke her hip. And also, I think her leg, too. And the doctor said the only reason she didn't end up spending the rest of her life in a wheelchair is because her hips and everything like that were all still very pliable from just having given birth a month ago. Said if this would have happened a year from now, you would have been in a bad, bad situation. The only time I've been on a horse in about the last 30 years... Was, I don't know, about 15 years ago, and the girl I was with, her family had a place way out in the country, and they had horses. And she's like, All right, this is a pretty docile horse right here. You shouldn't have any problem with So I get on the horse, and wouldn't you know it, wouldn't you fucking know it, as I'm getting on the horse, a swarm of bees comes over and starts stinging the horse in the ass, and the horse takes off and suddenly i'm niedermeyer in animal house holding on for dear life i all right i never fell off the horse but the horse was out of control and i'm yanking and i'm yelling whoa and i'm doing everything you're supposed to do and the horse is just like fuck you i yelled to the horse slow down you're heading right for the glue factory didn't seem to make any difference and as i said that girl she had to ride up next to me and grab the horse and sort of like calm him down You know, this is a heavy foliated area, and, you know, I'm getting hit in the face with branches and everything while this is going on. Fuck that. There's other things you can do with your spare time. (laughs) Horses are too—oh, and then I was going to tell you, a girl I dated back in the 80s, her mother was washing a horse. And it almost looks like uh, one of those things, like when you go into the spa for dogs at PetSmart or something, and they have a little chain, and the chain's connected to the uh, collar, and then, you know, get out the clippers, and they start, you know, trimming the dog's hair. Well, this woman is washing the horse in a similar situation like that. And again, the horse gets spooked. For as big as these fucking things are, why are they always getting spooked? Why are they always so afraid of everything? The horse gets spooked. Somehow, this girl's mother is trying to calm the horse down. She gets in between the post and the chain and the horse. It gets tangled around her neck. And they found her hanging from this little platform with the horse standing there like, I didn't do anything. Right, right. I mention all this because Snoop Dogg said he's scared of horses. He doesn't even know why, but he's never worked with a horse, and he says he's never going to either. Marin Morris, pretty hot stuff in the country music world right now, and she's had it with all this racism and misogyny and, you know, the political divide. That song, Try That in a Small Town, apparently rubbed her the wrong way, and she says, that's it. I'm not hanging out with what she called the hyper-masculine branch of country. Now, I don't know what she's going to do to continue her career, but she's going to do something. And what did I just say? What did I just say maybe a week ago? Do we go longer than three weeks without them having another Academy of Country Music Award shows on TV? There's another one tonight. We just had one. I swear it wasn't even a month ago. I don't know why you'd want this, but somebody had $127,000 laying around and said... Handed over, the front door from the house Sharon Tate was murdered in by Charles Manson's cult was sold at auction. John C. Riley did a great job, a great job of portraying L.A. Lakers owner Jerry Buss back in the day. And they made that into that HBO series winning time, which was really good. Well, they brought it back for a second season and nobody cared. And that show has been canceled. Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso, 48 today, Jada Pinkett Smith. Keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. She's fifty-two today. Lance Armstrong gonna be celebrating his birthday today. I'm sure he's gonna have a ball. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Aisha Tyler From Friends and Criminal Minds. Whose line is it anyway? 53 today. Dr. Ben Carson, Sleepy Ben, 72. Frankie Avalon is 83 today. When he was making those movies back in the 60s, he did all of his stunts without a net. (laughs) I am really on fire today. Adam's Family came out on this date in 64. Get Smart and I Dream of Genie came out on this date in 65. Now, of course, the star of that show is Barbara Eden. But the other star was Larry Hagman, who we had on the show a couple of years back and told one of the great stories ever. And apparently to keep themselves entertained between scenes, there's so much downtime when you're shooting a movie or a TV show, they used to entertain one another by playing practical jokes. Uh I guess so. Oh, you guess so? Uh, I don't know. I think I did.
2: Yeah. Who made good targets? Who made the best targets? Uh, Well, Bill Daly, I suppose. Oh, You're talking Jeannie? about sure. yeah. yeah. I yeah. dream a genie. Yeah. Yeah, Bill. Bill was fun, and he he used to do things back to me too. He's a great guy.
1: So, what kinds of stuff would you do? How far would you take something like this?
2: Uh, oh well, one day we stuffed a lion in his dressing room when he came <laughs> off stage.
1: So, so the answer being, I guess you would take it pretty far. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait a minute, where do you get a lion? And anyhow? it's what
2: they, it's, Well, we were shooting with a lion, and and uh, and the guy said, "Can we stick it in Bill Daley's dressing room?" They said, "Okay," but the lion took a big dump in there, so it, was, it, was, it added to the whole shock value when he opened that door oh
1: yeah oh yeah that'd be shocking so <laughs> bill Daly opens the door and he's got two
2: problems yeah really oh yeah right there. oh yeah. man one stayed with him for some time yeah.
1: yes now when you yeah. start talking about i dream of genie also you have to start talking about sensors and it must have been very funny to go from one television series i dream of genie where the sensors were on you where you couldn't even show the belly button of the That's genie. right and then That's you go right. to, and then you go to dallas where everybody's doing it with everybody Television sure changed a lot in the in well, that period a, of time.
2: Television has changed a lot since uh, since Dallas. Have you have you ever seen daytime soap opera? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they do everything but frontal nudity for gosh sakes.
0: Oh, wait a minute. What show is that? I must yeah. be missing that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it's just amazing. I watched it. There's wonderful. Young, beautiful actors on this on these shows now. What, what but, else do you uh, remember?
1: The censors. The there are stories, and this has been portrayed in movies and stuff like that. But you go back to I Dream of Jeannie. Uh, did the censors? Uh, I mean, were they standing right there on the set? with clipboards really making asses of themselves cuz that's no, seems no, how it's no, no,
2: portrayed no no that's uh, no that's that was way back in the Hayes office days no they they don't they didn't do that they just cut it out when it got to the to putting it on the air but we we hardly ever we were self-censored you know that's that's really the the worst part of it you censor yourself after a while and I had a little run with CBS recently. They, they cut a scene that I thought was very valuable to the show. And uh, it was with Tracy Scoggins looking very suggestive and so forth. But, uh, you know, time wounds all heal. So I'll get back at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a party
1: that guy was. And it was 53 years ago today. Jimi Hendrix joined the 27 Club. No damn good. No damn good. Fail Attraction came out on this date in 87. I had the opportunity to interview Glenn Close, Michael Douglas, and the amazingly attractive Ann Archer, who played his wife in that movie. We had Glenn Close on the air years later. Now, again, the movie comes out in 87, and this was probably, you know, 2002, 2003. We have Glenn Close on. I used the opportunity to bring up... That movie, which I think a lot of people, and it wasn't just me. A lot of movie critics were like, you know, the audience's reaction to some of these scenes we think was out of place. Roger Ebert believes that audiences that saw that movie cheered in the wrong place when you bought the farm. Because anybody who would have been conducting herself in that fashion was seriously mentally compromised. And therefore, the villain wasn't really a villain at that point as somebody who should have been a sympathetic character.
0: It's totally my theory. I I do think that she was unbalanced and of help. But at that point when you see somebody with a knife in their hand slashing trying to kill somebody, it's uh, I guess hard not to cheer when they get blown away. But <laughs>
1: Anyway. <laughs> Another good time right there. Another good time. And with that, the J.C. Corcoran Podcast for Monday, September 18, 2023 is in the can. We're here every weekday morning, right about 11 o'clock every day at jcontheline.com. You can email me, jc at jcontheline.com. Facebook The Showgram with J.C. Corcoran. And we'll be back tomorrow. And don't forget on Wolf every weekday morning from 5 30 until 10 o'clock rock and americana at 101.5 in st louis and 101.7 west and beyond we stream at kwolf.com have a great day everybody have a sensational night and by that i mean watching the baseball game let's go let's go let's just get it done tonight and then have a little fun the remaining two weeks of the season and in the meantime we've beaten this one to death have a good one see you later bye
3: the J.C. Corcoran
2: Podcast.